Welcome to Helping Kids Be Kids, a Little Lighthouse production. I'm your host, Christina McIndorfer, and I'm so glad you're here. This week, in honor of Father's Day, I asked three men whose kids either currently go to the lighthouse or have attended in the past to come and have a conversation about fatherhood, especially the challenges of being a special needs dad. In this conversation, hosted by Sean Sahara, these three men meet one another for the first time and dive right in to sharing their hearts with one another. The conversation begins with Sean Sahara telling his own experience with his dad. You'll notice that there is some ambient noise in the background. We recorded on a weekday where the kids were enjoying their school day. So you can uh, take note of those happy noises. Also, this conversation happened to be recorded right before Mother's Day. So there's a nod to that within the conversation. But we wanted to launch this this week because we want to honor our dads for Father's Day. So please be sure to share this message with the dads in your life and enjoy today's conversation. I didn't have very good experience with my father at the beginning, but things evolved and changed over time. And I think we've all evolved as, or both evolved as people and as men over the course of time. And I have a a pretty good relationship with them now, but it didn't start out that way. Uh, My parents separated pretty early. Well, before I was even born, I knew that I wasn't necessarily a wanted child at the time. And uh, so you kind of live with that and you wonder, you know, what is inherent in me as a kid, as a little boy, why does my dad not want to be around me, right? Or, or not want me. And that's pretty heavy, right, as a kid to deal with. But all that did was ground me in my spirituality, um, or set the framework for it, I should say, or, or the foundation for it. Because really what I had to do is I had to rely on God as a father, right? And be a reflection of what a father should be. And the only way to know that was to read my Bible and to get involved in church and to figure things out. And that's what I had to do. Um, so over the course of time, uh, that got to be a real question with me was, what am I going to be like as a dad? And what does a dad look like? I remember in junior high, I'm praying to God, God, I don't have a father. And I felt this imprint on my heart that God was going to take the reins and and be my dad. And it was, Sean, I will be your father. And that was a a great validation of, of where I was at the time. And being able to trust someone else to teach and lead me. So for me, it was, um, um, in, in many respects, God was my father. And so when I pray, um, I call him dad, right? Um, and there's that closeness that's there that I don't know would have been if um, I had a normal relationship with my dad. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Uh, I feel uh, a special um, connection with God in that way. And I'm able to, now I am able to trust him in a lot of ways that I don't necessarily think I could have because it, it was really a, um, a pragmatic dynamic there where I had to really live out my faith at an early age. 
And so now, you know, and I, something I was telling Christina earlier today, um, I was reading Malachi. And the only thing that stood out in that very short book to me was the last verse in the last book of, of the Old Testament. And it was God saying that he would turn the hearts of the children or the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And I thought, and I had to think about that for a second because that was the, literally that was the only verse that stood out to me. And that's my story. That wasn't necessarily how my story started out. Uh, but with God, I mean, that, that changed. And now I have a father's heart. And my children have a good example of a real earthly father. I have a great relationship with my dad now, though. And I'm sure he is. He's, he's proud of, of the man that I've become, uh, even though I'm not there yet, right? But uh, where I'm at is, is in a good position. And that resonates with me when you talk about, you know, the kind of father that God is and how he does, you know, he's the perfect father. Mm -hmm. um, and so for, for me, it's like seeing God's faithfulness is always something huge to me and always something that's, you know, I'm always thanking God for. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, even though our fathers, no matter who your father is, even if you had a great one, he's going to fall short mm -hmm. in certain areas where it's like God has no weaknesses. God doesn't fall short. And so, so yeah, I, that, that talks to yeah, me. And he keeps his that. promises. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what were your, what were some of your expectations of being a, a husband and a father? Now my grandmother raised me and she was a widow. And so having no concept at all of what it looked like to you know, have a nuclear family, husband, wife, kids together. But it's funny cause I, I grew up watching a lot of Naked Night as a kid, and so I watched a lot of 50s sitcoms. Like, yeah. you know, it's black and white, right. even though there's right. a bunch of colored TV on, but like the Donna Reed show and oh, things wow. like that. Yeah. And so that was like them and the Huxtables from the Cosby show. That mm -hmm. was my picture. So it was like, learn, you know, what it looked like to be married and to have a family from television. Didn't have a lot of expectations of practically what it would look like to be a great husband, to great, to be a great father, but knowing that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up, you know, wanting a family, wanting to do all those things. Um, then, you know, guy, I got saved in college. And so that's where really where God got a hold of my heart and thankfully got plugged into a solid church and, you know, was reading books about marriage and all that stuff. But I think it's, it's easy to have a, an idealistic view of, all those things like, Hey, I'm a believer now. And so I'm going to just be a great husband, right. great father. And, you know, not learning or realizing how selfish I am until after I get married or, you know, all of those things. Then even still how selfish I am until I have kids right. and, and all of that. But it was hard to say that I had just some like real crystal clear, this, what is going to look like, you know, um, mm -hmm. as far as, but you know, you think, I was an athlete in college. My wife was an athlete. So I'm thinking, hey, my kids are going to be athletes. They're going to do better in life than what I did. And I'm going to guide them there. And so that was like my expectation of married life and being a father. Yeah. 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 I didn't have any good expectations um, because of uh, how I grew up, you know, with my examples of a, of a father. I was raised by my mom and she did a great job. Um, 
especially considering her financial means and um, all the support she had to get from my grandpa and grandma and, uh, you know, where my dad was when at, at that point in his life. So, you know, my expectations weren't necessarily good. You know, I think that probably had a lot to do with who I, who I saw myself, my identity. And, but even then it was a, a progression of letting go of who I thought I was and what my family was telling me who I was. I was in college where something broke in me. I I remember I was at LRU, we're having chapel, and the worship leader was singing a song that he had written called uh, Make Me Again Into Your Perfect Image so that I can be like Jesus Christ. Even now it it, uh, is uh, emotional. I remember singing the song, and at the time, we were learning about all these great leaders in history, seeing all these great leaders, and, and then, you know, God, I'm not that guy. I, I'm not that guy. Uh, I can never do what these guys have done, you know. I, I can't do what Oral Roberts did. I can't do what Billy Graham did, right? I, I can't do what some of the church fathers did. You know, I'm not Abraham. I'm not Noah. I'm not Moses. I'm not Peter Paul. Um, I'm shocked. And uh, growing up, that wasn't good enough. So I remember I, we had uh, economics class after chapel. So I went up to economics class on the fifth floor. And I don't know if you guys know anything about RE, but uh, on the corner there's uh, an elevator, and the halls could be filled, but in that little area nobody could see you. So I went straight to that corner, and, man, something broke, and I just started bawling. Went to economics class, uh, was quiet, uh, came back to my room, started doing the homework. I remember putting the headphones down and hearing it clear as day, this message that God spoke to my heart. He said, Sean, you are greater than no man. And I was like, oh, God, you're right. I, you know, I was initially let down, but then he, then he said, uh, no man is greater than you. All of a sudden, you know, it was an epiphany. Uh, the playing field was level. You know, I didn't have to set inequality with anybody. I was a child of God, right? I was a son of God. And he had personally told me, right, he was uh, going to be my father. So my expectations changed after that of who I was, and I wasn't who I thought I was, and I wasn't what my parents said I was. I wasn't who society thought I was or, or any of those external things. I was who God says I was. Man, all these thoughts flooded. I realized uh, that I was head, not the tail, above and not beneath. That God would sell one of the cows on a thousand hills to, to provide for me. So my expectation, and this is probably a long answer <laughs> to that question, but my expectations changed after that because I realized who I was. Um, and that made a, a world of difference. Um, so let's go to another question. When you found out your child would have special needs, how did that impact you? It's funny. It's a little hard to um, think back to what it was like when Temple, our oldest, you know, was diagnosed with uh, she has a uh, Edwards syndrome, which is a rare genetic disorder. Um, you know, it was 13 years ago. Um, 
And, and with her, she started having seizures at like two weeks old and not knowing why. And even her seizures were like, it weren't the kinds where she would convulse violently. It was like she, it almost seemed like she stopped breathing. Mm-hmm. So I remember the first time it happened, I was mowing the yard and my wife Ronnie came out and was like, Philip, help. And, you know, you see your daughter seemingly dying mm-hmm. and just, you know, how scary of a situation that is. And then finding out it was a seizure and then not knowing why neurologists and doing all the different um, tests and they eventually do blood work. And then we find out she has, you know, partial trisonomy 18. So she had too much information on her 18th chromosome and having to go to a geneticist and figure that out. Like, was this, you know, just a mutation or did one of us have the gene and, and all of that? And you can, um, yeah, it, you know, it just, it shocks you. It rocks you better yet. Cause, and I even remember as a kid, like we would always like, it was like taboo to make fun of kids with disabilities. Not so much cause you care, but it's like, you didn't want to have a kid with disabilities. And so you just never did that. And then you end up having one. Um, and around that time we went through a pastoral transition. And so like I became the lead pastor of the church and, um, I remember reading the book, A uh, Prodigal God by Tim Keller. And so I highly recommend that to everybody where he talks about just the two different forms of lostness from the little brother lostness that everyone knows about, but then even the big brother lostness, how we can start having expectations of God for our obedience and really figured that, realized that that's where I was struggling with a lot. To where, you know, I'm going into ministry. My wife and I did everything right. We waited until we got married to have sex and all those things. And then to still have a child with special needs. Um, and not even realizing that these are the expectations yeah. that you have until they don't get met. You know, right. you usually don't know you have expectations until they don't get met. <laughs> and um, Great point. Yeah. And, but thankfully, like, you know, early on in my walk with the Lord, Romans eight twenty eight was like an anchor verse for me that all things work together for the good. And and so being able to really put that in that context rather than looking back to like some of my past sins and things that I've done to say like, no, this is why mm-hmm. you have a child with um, special needs. But just realizing that even having not even one, but two, both of our kids, uh, well, I got, we have three now. We just had a baby, a seven month old, but for a while, you know, our only two kids had, you know, special needs, different special needs. And, um, you know, but we never got to the point where it was like us blaming ourselves or even blaming God and seeing it's like, no, it's really a result of the fall and just the brokenness in the world. But then at the same time, you know, loving our kids more than anything. And, and it really helps you, you know, for me, the impact was like, the, the main goals, the things that we should really care about as parents, like that's still there. Like I want my kids to walk with God. I want them to live lives that glorify God. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, Temple might not ever be a doctor, but she can still live a life for God's glory. She can yeah. still have a relationship with him. And so I guess the impact for me was helping me focus on the things that really mattered, you know, as a, as a parent, but then having to let go of a lot of dreams and things that, know really wanted for our kids and realizing that maybe that's stuff I wanted for me and not so much my kids but it it was hard 
Like I said, like I remember in seminary, one of my professors talked about a survey he did at his church when he asked all the parents, if you could only guarantee one thing for your kids, financial success or moral character, which would you choose? And he said an overwhelming number of it, the family said financial success. Oh, wow. Financial security. Wow. You know? Right. And, and, and I see the rat race, you know, and I see how folks will go all in to get their kids and activities and all right. those things. And, their relationship with God not being the main thing. And at the same time, knowing me as a driven person, I was like, I could see myself going down that same path. Yeah. And now it's like, that's not an option, you know, for me when it comes to, you know, really, cause to back up a little bit, like I'm the kind of guy who's easy to see things that are wrong and not always point out everything that's going great. Mm-hmm. And, and at one level, when you have kids who, like when Temple, when she says something, you can actually understand it. That becomes something to celebrate. Right. Where yeah. I could have easily been the kind of dad that it would have never been good enough. Like I'd have been nitpicky to where I remember the first time we were like doing a group prayer and it was clear that Temple was praying. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't understand what she was saying, but <laughs> you know how people will talk differently when they pray? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was doing that. And it was just cool. It's like, she's really praying. Yeah. And so to celebrate that. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Having that. Uh, and that's got to be fulfilling. Right. Knowing that right. your daughter and, and, and or your child wants to have uh, a, a relationship or show that there's a relationship, right? Or, or right. speak to God. Right. right. And that also, I think, also emphasizes you are doing something right. 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 You are being an example of, of God. Right to her, I think that's awesome. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, it, just the impact is helps us focus in on keeping the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think for me and, and my wife, uh, Jerusha, she it, it has helped us focus on what is most more important. Um, when we found out Giovanni had Down uh, Down syndrome, um, she was in the office and was bawling her eyes out and uh, I asked her what was wrong and she goes I got news from the doctor and I thought oh no oh no you know I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop she told me and uh, you know I held her for the longest time Um, we talked things out and you know both of us are are Christians and have a good relationship with God and we prayed right then and there and our story with Giovanni is, is Giovanni wasn't supposed to make it past the first trimester. It was like a 90-something percent chance that he wasn't supposed to make it past the first trimester. And then, so we get referred to a, a high-risk doctor, and the high-risk uh, um, doctor visits go great up until a certain point, and the doctor s- keeps us there for about an hour and a half, and we don't know what's going on. And what was going on was uh, reverse flow and that was going to produce high blood pressure in my wife and fatal for Giovanni at his age in the pregnancy there was a like a 70% chance that he wouldn't make it and uh, a strong chance that my wife wouldn't make it either so I kind of had to deal with 
losing one or losing both. That was tough. But the biggest battle that I had was how am I going to tell my other two kids that either their brother has passed or their mother has passed or, God forbid, both of them have passed. And I didn't know, and I struggled with that forever, it seemed like. Uh, and what a, a heavy weight to bear. And, uh, man, I, I still... Uh, I cannot reconcile how to how I would have done that. Um, so his impact on us was getting back to what's important or repositioning us to realize what's most important. So we cut out a lot of extraneous stuff that necessarily didn't matter. Um, and man, we've been so happy with going back to that. And I know we're in a pandemic mode or just coming out of pandemic mode, but, and obviously the loss of life that's happened, um, is a tragedy. Um, but I think our society has changed a little bit and we are more comfortable at home or, having dinners with each other and, and opening up. And I know that's has been with our family with the pandemic and um, with, with uh, Gigi's presence in our lives as we are more focused on um, helping each other and being a good examples of, of Christ um, of realizing what's more important, um, not necessarily the material things or achievement or um, um, anything that takes away from being a blessing to each other. And hopefully that makes sense. So his impact on us is, has been great. I think I've been a, a better husband uh, because of him. I've certainly been a better father. Uh, and I think I've been better to myself too. I've given myself a lot more um, opportunity to, real what impact does your journey as a father have on your marriage I mean there, there's so many st- statistics you know, about it where it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so many uh, you know numbers that show that special needs you know marriages just don't last and uh, I mean I think you know, and that's even, that's in, not just in, you know, non-Christian households, that's in Christian households. I mean, Angie and I have, you know, witnessed that. I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, for, you know, because, you know, perhaps one, one can't reconcile what, what's really going on. And I think it helps that, you know, we were both really grounded in God's word and, you know, she had a good background with, special needs uh, aunt, you know, that had cerebral palsy, you know, Gretchen at the time when, you know, when we left the NICU, that was essentially the diagnosis that we were using, even though she didn't have a diagnosis. She, she all of her symptoms presented very similar to that. And, you know, I think she, she had, uh, you know, witnessed what it takes to be in a family. You know, she saw what her, you know, her grandma and, her 
dad and uh, and uh, you know, other aunt of you know, their typical development. I mean, they kind of saw how they handled you know that special needs family, and I mean, I think ha- her having that experience, you know, helped uh, you know, helped helped us to you know overcome. You know, we just you know lean into his word with the hope that, you know, we're in this together, we're partners, and that we can overcome any of the obstacles that are placed before us. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for sharing. Yeah. And, and my wife's pointed out some of those statistics on, yeah, just the alarming rate of marriages that don't make it. Right. Um, you know, when one of their children has special needs. And, and you know, a lot... For a lot of it for me, like, I'm thankful for the community that we've been able to have, you know, you know, being a pastor of a church. Yeah. And so, and I know a lot of families end up feeling isolated and they don't feel comfortable going to church or anything like that. And, and you know, you need community um, even for your marriage to thrive. And so we, we've always had that. And places where our kids have been embraced and, you know, we can all kind of, we don't feel embarrassed when we're at church when, you know, our son gets up and runs through the sanctuary or <laughs> things of that nature. Yeah. And, and that stuff helps our marriage in that we're, we're still able, you know, had several babysitters throughout, you know, teenage young ladies that would come and watch our kids. So that way we can still have consistent date nights mm-hmm. and, and build, um, you know, we always said don't want to become the butler and the maid. So then whenever your kids grow up and leave the house, there's nothing there. Yeah, there's two strangers living together. Mm -hmm. And so we've been able to still cultivate our relationship. But then it has been a challenge in that, you know, as some of my work responsibilities, you know, and that, you know, we do a lot of different things. You know, I was coaching football at a time and, you know, Ronnie feeling like she was raising the kids on her own. And so just some of those stereotypical guys working too much, Mm -hmm. you know, leaving the you know, child raising and all that to the, to your wife. And, um, and that, that's even harder when both of your kids have special needs and, and her feeling like, yeah, I'm on my own here. Yeah. And, and so me needing to be even more sensitive to that and to really, you know, us having to do it together. Um, but, you know, by God's grace, we've, we've had a great marriage, even to the point where it's like, yeah, we need to go get counseling and not, you know, we counsel couples, but it's like, there's no shame in counseling. It's like, yeah. you know, all of us need it at one level. Um, I'm real interested in how you're keeping a, uh, a, a consistent date night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not as consistent as we'd like, but we, you know, we're able to, um, date and, and all of that. And, but yeah, like focusing on my primary commitment is to my wife. And being faithful to her and, you know, making sure she's healthy, just like she tries to do the same for me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's challenges there when it comes to that. And um, as far as the other areas of life, you know, finances, like, you know, both of our kids are still in diapers at, you know, our two oldest kids um, are still in diapers at 13 and 10. And, you know, that costs money. And it so, does. So, you know, you're, like, looking at, wow, this is – um, and then our pace of life, you know, we're still trying to get a healthier rhythm. You know, I feel like we eat out way too much and 
things of that nature. And then, you know, having kids that, you know, would normally you would expect to do a lot more around the house to help mm-hmm. with things. It's like, can't do that. And morning routines are tougher when you're still helping kids get ready and, and all of that, but you adjust. And like I said, for us, that, that was normal. That's all we knew. And, and so we don't really have a whole lot to compare it to, um, you know, with our youngest daughter right now, it looks like she doesn't have special needs. And so we'll know, you know, how things are different, but that's for me and for us, it's kind of like, this is our normal. Yeah. And so it, it might not have affected us as much as a family that had two like typically developing kids mm-hmm. and had a special needs child. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Um, for me, I think having Gigi and where we were at, um, in our marriage and spiritually and mentally, um, it's, he's, he's helped us become better people. Um, and better spouses to each other. I think we're much more empathetic and much more sensitive to, um, what's going on around us. Uh, we're less selfish with each other and ourselves. Um, like I said, I'd really love to know, how you <laughs> or would like somebody to tell me how to keep a consistent date night. Cause that's man, whenever we do go out on dates, you know, we'll go to a restaurant or, you know, before COVID and the pandemic, we'd go out to movies or, or whatever. And that was fun. And we had a great time. And Jerusha and I have been pretty easy about being able to talk to each other most for most of our marriage. Um, so we're able to relate to each other pretty well. And, but now it's on another, it's a different level. Um, and you know, uh, he is, uh, like medicine, um, now, right. But during the pregnancy, it was, it was a little bit different because that was, and this is something I want to, I say pretty frequently is he's been for us, the easiest child to raise, you know, with all the challenges and with all of the issues that go along with down syndrome, he's been the easiest child to raise. Uh, he's the most, um, laid back, uh, his temperament is really even, um, and it's a joy, but, you know, knowing that, but still all of the challenges, I, for me, that showed how much we've changed as people. So, um, and in our marriage, um, and in our family. So it's, uh, and it's, it's been he's impacted us in great ways where we are, we're, we're better people um, to each other. And not that we're great, you know, I'm not trying to make us out to be this, any idea of perfection, because that is far from the truth, but we're better people than, than when we were without him. And, um, you know, it's, it's not a, it doesn't relate to the down syndrome, but it relates to, um, how God's changed us. Yeah. Um, here's a good question. When life is hard, what do you tell yourself? Any of you, both of you guys, feel free to, to answer yeah, at any I'll, given time. I yeah. know it, it requires a little bit of thought. Right, right. I mean, 
like uh, Romans eight twenty eight. I uh, really that is an anchor verse for us. And um, when we're in scary, difficult situations, it's like, hey, we 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 because of Romans eight twenty eight, we know we're gonna be okay. We might not know what okay looks like, mm-hmm. but we know we're gonna be okay. <laughs> And God is faithful, and he has been. And His grace is enough. Yeah, yeah. and then it, it is. It's like us having to remind ourselves of the truth of God's word, kind of like in Psalms 103 when he's preaching to himself, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Yeah. And, and that's where Ronnie and I, being able to talk to each other and being able to encourage each other when, you know, sharing hurts or just some of the lies we can tell to ourselves about, situations and all of that. Um, but it is, it's just seeing God's faithfulness, pulling us through, helping us continue to move forward. And thankfully it's, you know, a lot of our life is hard, even though it's like our kids disabilities can make things tough. Like just that's baseline, but like the hardness when it comes to conflict or, you know, just things that are out of your control and we are able, you know, it's like, it's out of our control. So we do have to really trust God, press into him mm-hmm. and um, really, you know, united, move forward and help each other in the midst of it. But not to try to sound too spiritual, but it really has been, you know, Romans eight twenty eight has really um, helped us uh, in the difficult seasons of life. Yeah. Well, and I think that's kind of how God wants it, right? He, when you experience difficulty, he wants you to fall back on him. And for, for me, that's the, that's the easy thing to do, right? Is I need help, right? I can't deal with this. Um, when, you know, when things get difficult, uh, that is, that's the first fallback that I go to. Um, and that's the only thing I know how to do, right? That's the very first thing that, that I, I, uh, I step back into is and revert into is, uh, is, is framing it in a, in a spiritual way. And that's helped me. That, that certainly has helped me. Um, one of the things that I learned to do when we were praying with Giovanni was uh, this idea of aspirational prayer. And uh, it's, one, you know, when I, I taught some classes, and it's one of the things that I, I told my students uh, after this did so well for me, is aspirational prayers is basically prayer without ceasing. And I learned this in, in my doctoral program. And so what I would say when things were getting difficult and to keep my head from focusing on the difficult matter was his aspirational prayer. And it was Jesus, Savior, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus, Savior, Son of God, have mercy on me. And for, our church forefathers would say this, you know, 10, 20,000 times a day. And I didn't come anywhere near that. But what that did is that put my head in a different place than focusing on the difficulty at hand. And so all the promises of God kept, kept coming back um, because of thinking about or having my mouth utter something different than what my head and heart were thinking about. So for, for me, it was that. It was... It was saying these aspirational prayers, my wife made these um, little tag, keychain tags of scripture verses. And she did this when she was in the hospital with Giovanni. Um, And those, honestly, those change your perspective 
right? Focus, put your focus back on God. And I want, this wasn't a aspirational prayer, but something that Winston Churchill, or is attributed to Winston Churchill, um, I always kept in my head, was uh, when you're going through hell, keep going, right? Push through it, get through it. And that, that, uh, that meant a lot to me at the time as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's funny how we're, um, we've all sunk ourselves into the word. Yeah. Mine, mine, I think I shared it earlier, was, was around Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. It's just that we, we don't need to give up in these situations. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that his grace is what can see us through and, and his, you know, his unending love. I mean, that's what I think that's what's really, you know, when, you know, hardships and obstacles come in places, this, you know, we, we shouldn't have a prayer life when it only becomes hard though. And that's, yeah. that, I think that's a struggle that I, 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 I probably have is, you know, but it, it, these ob- obstacles has made me seen that, that I need to have that prayer life, yeah. that word life, when, even when things are going, you know, great, you know, be thankful during those, you know, th- when things are going great and, and, uh, you know, just continue to step into his word and, you know, lean into that. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about ourselves and our perspectives. Tell me a little bit about your wives. What do you admire about them? Man, there's, I mean, outside of, you know, Jesus and God, Angie is the rock of our house, right? I mean, she, she exuberates that, uh, that Proverbs 31 woman. She's faithful. She's just, you know, she's such a great mother to, to my kids. And she challenges me sometimes in ways that I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you know, but. At the at the end of the day, what she she likes to tell me is like, you gotta know that I'm right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what's funny? <laughs> what's I funny think is, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, what's funny is uh, oftentimes you know she is. I mean, she is right, but that's because she's been, you know, praying and she's been hoping. She has a vision and. Uh, and she's just such a blessing. She has so many great gifts of service, you know, and that's something that she's sowing into our kids. And I'm I'm very thankful for her. I think if she didn't push push me and push our family, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today. That's also uh, with God get God giving her that 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 direction and that. Uh, faithfulness yeah yeah you know my my wife's heart for the lord is is definitely something that you know i admire uh, about her ronnie is uh, great in that respect as far as you know she's gonna find a way to get in the word you know even if she has to go lock herself in the bathroom you know, she's going to <laughs> even uh, right yeah, yeah, like to have that some of the, bread, yeah. the best uh, prayer time ever <laughs> right like <laughs> It's like, she's like, I'm going to spend some time alone with the Lord, uh, you know, amidst all the chaos that can be our home in the mornings yeah. and all of that. 
Um, but it is. She's a you know very passionate woman who you know has really directed that passion and advocating for our kids. And not even and that's one of the things I really appreciate her um, for is not even our kids only, but now she has a heart for all kids, you know, with disabilities yeah. and, and special needs. And so really. Um, and so that's just the giving heart that she has. That it's not like, hey, let me just figure out how to fix things for our kids and make sure our kids get what they need. And and you know how it is. We always balance each other out. You know, couples usually that where I'm the more relaxed one and all that. But it's like if she wouldn't push so hard on a lot of these things, that yeah, our kids wouldn't have made the progress that they have made. And um, you know, she fills the gap for a lot of the areas that I feel like I'm not doing well in as a, a father with um, two kids with special needs. Um, but yeah, just, you know, she's one of the most thoughtful people, I know, you know, and so she's able to, you know, she still likes for Father's Day, make sure that I get gifts from, you know, all of our kids, even though I know it's really her. <laughs> Is it? But yeah, it's like, I know it's you and all that, Man. but the, the fact that she's, you know, being super, you know, as much as possible, wanting our kids to experience what all kids experience yeah. and making sure that they're getting their needs met and um, advocating for their rights. And so just her heart and passion for that is always something that I admire. Even when I'm like, hey, you can relax about it. They don't really care about that. But she's like, no, like, I, I you know, she sets her mind on something. And she's going to get after it. Yeah. 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 I think it's really cool that she's a, uh, compliments you and, and you her. And I think that's probably true for all of us Those here today. Yeah. 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 Uh, 18, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I always tell my wife that she's the best person I know and she's not perfect. Right. But she really is the best person I know. And she's going to hate me for saying this, but she works for a media company or a communications company and they have, I don't know, 50,000 something employees. And she won Mother of the Year for that company a couple of years ago. And we got to go to New York and, and go through a ceremony and everything. And uh, when she found out, I was teasing her. And uh, I go, you, Mother of the Year? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we laughed and laughed and laughed. Because um, we know, you know, each other's story and you know, all of our weaknesses and strengths and whatnot. And, but she really is the, the best person I know. Um, she's kind, um, she's generous, loving, just a, a wonderful person to be around, easy person to be around and be able to talk and, and share. And, and, uh, man, I, I just adore being around her. She's, uh, she compliments me perfectly and thank God for her in my life. What would you, what would you say to encourage men to be dads? You know, I have this image of, there's of a picture where a dad is pulling a block out of himself. Mm. Oh yeah. And he's putting it into his kids. We are all, we're sacrificing ourselves, and we're trying to build our kids up. Yeah. We're trying to, where the block is yeah. being taken out of the father yeah. to build, build the child. The child up. Yeah. That's the, what I want to do and be. Surround yourself with godly men, other godly men. 
you know, that's, you know, that's one of the things that I always loved about when we were here at the little lighthouse is just, uh, being able to meet the other special needs, um, dads and, you know, met a, a gentleman, Mike Ledbetter, who was, uh, who was actually on one of the earlier that's episodes, right. uh, you know, a, f- a few months ago. And, you know, it was that like ha- having a connection with another special needs with dad was, was always great. You know, surround yourself with the right people, lean into your family. Don't, be afraid to ask for help if yeah. you need it. Yeah. You know, go and enjoy life. I mean, I just like here recently we went. You know, we we haven't taken a vacation for a while, and we actually went on a vacation. Man, it was so just great being with all of a family, yeah. all of them, and just you know. Yes, yeah, a tough question, I, I guess, to answer because you know it almost like, hey, I got it all figured out. Do this type of deal. But it, you know, it's it's a high calling. Um, I think, you know, as a dad, we have so much potential for, you know, multi generational impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would encourage guys to, you know, pursue that role in the power of God's spirit, really in dependence on Him. And I think the best thing we can do as fathers is be great husbands, you know, and like really, you know, that way our and to be the kind of men that we want our sons to grow up to be, yeah. like be a great example, and for our young daughters to be the kind of man that we would want them to marry, so right. that they have a good picture of what a man's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And but then not to put all that pressure on yourself that I have to do it perfectly. It's like there's grace and God's, you know, you have, and part of that is that being open and honest about your weaknesses, mm-hmm. and being able to say, "Hey, Dad screwed up here. I'm sorry." Yeah. And then even seeing that, a dad who's willing to apologize when he's wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's times even with temples, I lose my temper and it sounds like, hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have did that. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. and all of that. And so I feel like, be, be you know, strive to be the man that God created you to be. Mm-hmm. And you're you know, a great dad in that. I think sometimes when I apologize to my children, it is a, uh, it makes our relationship stronger. Yeah. Right. And they, I think... I think they get uh, some worth out of that, some self worth out of that. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean no, to no, interrupt good. you. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. Because I'd say, because you know, it's like moms get all the credit. They have the biggest holiday and all that <laughs> stuff. But oh, right, it's know. coming up too. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and my wife has made Christmas. sure I know that I say, hey, I deserve a big mother's day, <laughs> all that. <laughs> and you know, and the culture makes fun of dads and all of that. But uh-huh. it's like, no, dads, yes. we matter. Mm-hmm. And if we really press into this role as fathers, I mean, we could, like I said, have a multi-generational impact. Yeah. 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 That's right. Children's children's children. Yeah. 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 yeah I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, I, uh, you know, similar to what you said, Philip, uh, I by no means have it all figured out, but just the progression of, of my perspective as a father and going into it so fearful that I would continue the same mistakes that my father made, man, now, you know, to encourage men in their fatherhood, I would say there's no higher calling to be frank. Um, I think that is for me, the defining characteristic of my relationship with God is, is 
He's been my father. So um, I want to be that impactful for my children. And the other side of it is, you know, I had so much fear going into it of what I would be like and, you know, I would, how I would be with my children and, you know, make them into little monsters or put, bring them into a world that's crumbling before our eyes, that type of thing. Um, and the, the other part of that is don't be afraid. You know, God has got your back. Um, he will lead you and direct you, and it may not be, you know, a mile ahead. You'll see a direction, or maybe just the, the, the next step, uh, in a, in that progression of being led. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to trust God. Don't be afraid of the path that He set before you, uh, because it's better than what you could have picked for yourself. And I think that would be my, my encouragement. So. Man, thank you guys. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you guys, sharing with you, hearing your stories. I hope this is uh, impactful for and relatable for the other men out there who are going through some of the same struggles, some of the same circumstances, uh, and have some of the same perspectives. So thank you guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. All righty. Thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation. I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. If you have any questions for our staff or would like to share with us how this podcast is helping you, please email us at helpingkidspodcast at littlelighthouse.org. If you're new to the podcast, we would love for you to subscribe, make a comment, and share it with your friends. We don't advertise because we see this as part of our outreach ministry and we would love to get the word out to more families who are looking for hope and encouragement. You can help us with that and we really appreciate your help. If you'd like to know more about the Little Lighthouse resources, check out our website at littlelighthouse.org where you can find our blog and information about enrollment. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please consider joining the crew, a passionate and determined community of monthly givers on mission to change the future of kids with special needs. And until next time, enjoy helping your kids be kids.